Thanks so much for watching our show. We really appreciate the support. It costs a lot to produce, so we're asking for donations and pledges here on Patreon. Thanks again. Okay, welcome to See It and Feel It with Dr. Brett, and I'm Dr. Brett, and today I'm here with Jack Beer, who just won a national championship in soccer at Georgetown and is like venturing out into the real world after having um, played for a USL team as well. Hey, Jack, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, so tell us about, you know, you know when did you choose soccer? How old were you? And were you a multi-sport person and then, you know, wound up like focusing? How'd that process go? Yeah, so I think I started playing soccer when I was about five years old and I was a multi-sport athlete i'd like dabbled with all the usual sports so football basketball and i was actually pretty good at the other ones not, <laughs> not soccer but so, i don't know but something about soccer kind of just spoke to me i remember one time um when i really fell in love with soccer was when i was on vacation in 2006 and the world cup was going on and i like could not go on vacation I didn't want to leave the house because the world cup was on and that was all I wanted to watch and completely fell in love with the way that the fans felt so passionate about the game and it just totally inspired me to want to keep going and take it definitely you know seriously and um well it's pretty amazing because you were six years old at the time yeah yeah six or seven six or seven yeah yeah and it just it completely I completely fell in love with it at, at, like you said, at such a young age. Actually, my first birthday cake, I just saw a picture of this was a soccer field. So <laughs> I, I like to think that I kind of just came out ready to kick a ball in the net. So that's awesome. You a little <laughs> bit of soccer karma, whatever you want to call that yeah. past, past life soccer. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I, I continued through high school. Um, I played for a team called New York soccer club. Um, we were really successful on the club level um, and got scouted to play for Georgetown. So that was obviously an incredible experience, but definitely, as you know, like a, you know, complicated one with just my, my head and my mentality towards soccer and kind of where it fit in my life and my well-being just as a human being. So, um, so yeah, I guess it, it's taken me to this point where, I was in and out of deciding whether to continue to play pro soccer or to kind of move on and, um, you know, test the waters in other areas of life. So um, right now that's my plan, um, but I'm definitely forever grateful for all the experiences that I've had with soccer thus far. Awesome. So what were some of the highs and lows at Georgetown? How many years did you play? I know you graduated, but how many years were you actually playing soccer there? So with COVID and the year that I took off, only technically two. Wow. Um, so two out of the four possible years that I could have played. Um, my freshman year, I guess I'll just give a little recap. My freshman year, um, we won the Big East tournament, and that was great. I, I had a good season, um, enjoyed it. But um, I think I, it, I definitely had difficulties going from a 90-minute player, like a you know basically the star on the team, to – kind of just a role player, someone that comes, you know, in off the bench. I didn't really know how that operated. I wasn't used to, you know, 
all of the little things that came with not, you know, just being someone maybe that came off the bench and, you know, I had to learn how to, um, you know, organically work my way up um, in the lineup. And that was definitely a difficult process. Um, and, you know, all of that along with, you know, what a college freshman year brings, which is just a new environment and new people and, um, you know, a big transition. So uh, that went well, but at the end of my freshman year, I talked to my coach and kind of told him what was going on um, with my anxiety. I, I definitely felt like, um, you know, like I didn't, there were days that I just didn't want to get up in the morning and, you know, for an 8 a.m. training and stuff and, and put in the work. And it was definitely affecting, you know, how I, how I operated during the days. I think I, I tended tended to kind of just go through the motions, which was really affecting my anxiety and kind of led to a little bit of depression that summer when I was um, in between my freshman year and sophomore year, kind of like deciding whether I wanted to continue or not. And I ultimately decided to take my sophomore year off and, and see how that felt and went. And pretty quickly uh, into my sophomore year, when I was just watching the team from the stands, I kind of just looked at the team playing and, and figured that, you know, it's not as bad as I make it out to be in my head and I could totally um, compete and, and, you know, have this be a positive influence on my life um, like it was, you know, growing up. So um, I rejoined the team my sophomore spring leading into my junior year and um, I, I was playing great and felt great and then actually right when I got to preseason for my junior year I started having really bad panic attacks um, again for for about like a three or four day span of just pretty much straight straight panic um, and I was I was pretty open about it with my coach at that point so I was just talking to him telling him what was going on um, and I again decided to just I, at that point, I thought I was done. I thought, you know, soccer's not for me. Um, I can't maybe take this. And then, uh, you know, about a week later, teammates were texting me on and off. And, and I had been in conversation with a couple of the coaches. You know, I really wanted to push push it as far as I could. And I wanted to, to play so bad because I felt like, you know, I wanted to prove to myself that I could do it um, and really enjoy it. So within a week I was back on the team I made that decision and from there honestly it it just all seemed to work out that national championship season was like unbelievable I I was not very anxious definitely not depressed we were winning you know all the time I was playing great I felt good um so I was really happy to push through that um and obviously win a national championship which was which was amazing so wow what advice do you have for kids that struggle with anxiety or depression you know because i think a lot of athletes have ambivalent relationships with their you know like desire to perform and the pressure to perform and the pressure to sort of always be getting better and better and you know in the competition and all that stuff it's a lot for 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 most athletes and some manage it better than others but some are sort of wired in a way that makes it difficult so you know you have a lot of perspective that you know maybe other people don't have you also have a lot of insight mm -hmm. yeah no i mean 
I think one thing that a lot of people struggle with um, that were in my position, including me, is just reaching out for help and kind of acknowledging what is going on. And I think the biggest thing for me that got me through it and the biggest advice that I would give is to, you know, to first of all, reach out to anyone that, you know, baseline, like family, friends, you know, just to have someone that acknowledges what you're going through and understands that, you know, you're, you're maybe not in the best headspace will actually in turn, you know, help you get out of that headspace and, and make it seem like, you know, it's okay to basically not, you know, be hundred percent all the time and not have to keep grinding. Like you said, through that, um, were, were other kids supported? Because sometimes 20-year-olds, 18, 19, 20, 21, they mm -hmm. haven't, if they haven't been through it themselves, they don't always, you know, yeah. most people don't understand unless they've been through it. Well, mm -hmm. You and I have talked about this privately before about, you know, there's a small percentage of people that are wired pretty empathic. And when they are, they can put themselves in other people's shoes and imagine what it would be like to be someone else and then be understanding. But the vast majority of people don't really do that that often, and, or they're just not wired that way. If they're hyper-competitive, then they're probably not gonna be that empathic. So what was that experience like where you're struggling, sometimes you're reaching out, sometimes you're not, you know, what was that like? Yeah, that was definitely tough. Cause I mean, like you said, we got 20 year old, you know, hyper-competitive kids at the college level, just basically wanting to, you know, kick each other and-, and Yeah, beat your ass. Yeah. <laughs> so, it wasn't exactly the smoothest experience, you know, telling that guy who's trying to kick me and, and yeah, kick my ass, like, Hey, I'm kind of struggling. Can you help me out in, you know, at all? Um, and there were totally struggles and, and like misunderstandings. Um, and I think that was honestly like a, a weird, in a weird way, a vital part of the process. I think like, because I realized that, okay, I can't turn to some, of these people, the fact that I acknowledge that actually helped me because I got in this loop of endlessly, you know, maybe trying to lean on people that simply wasn't in their DNA to to have that focus. Like you said, like they were kind of wired just to- Yeah, they're just not, it's in, like you just said, it's not in their DNA. So exactly. asking someone to sort of be understanding that's, that's hyper-competitive and not really capable of understanding is not gonna fly. But so that actually helped you because, mm -hmm. help, help us understand why that helped you. Yeah, yeah. So I just basically was able to acknowledge that, you know, certain people I just simply couldn't lean on in, in certain circumstances. And I had to come to a point where I was okay, and I had to kind of let go of that. And that's where, you know, once I did that, I kind of opened my mind to possibilities. So like, that's where you came in and, and have been helping me. And that's where, when I talked to my coach, instead of my, some of my teammates or, or, you know, other people that were just solely soccer related, like that helped um, or, you know, teammate kind of uh, relationship that really helped um, a lot. But at the same time, you know, my teammates, some, some, some of them did help, you know, like I had um, that camaraderie and that um, relationship with, you know, not everyone, obviously, but there were definitely a couple of teammates that I've been friends with for a while that, you know, made me feel valued and, and kind of put 
some perspective into my head about, you know, that, that I was valued on the team and that, you know, they thought I could do it and, and that it would be fine. And um, I know my coach actually made um, some tangible like adjustments that like on away trips, for example, I would room with these two guys that I'd been friends with for a while. So like, that's a perfect example of like, you know, coach being emotionally bright enough to help you figure it out. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like he really, (laughs) and that's, it's really not common. There's a ton of, I I mean, that's pretty amazing what I'm listening to. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, if I think if it was any other college coach, I would probably have been off the team freshman year and probably have never kicked a ball again. So Wow. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. What would you do differently? You know, I know you're young, you know, 21, 22, something like that, Mm -hmm. you know, and so perspective, you know, it takes a lifetime. It really does, but, but still you've been through a lot, right? So, you know, if you could do things differently, what would you do differently? You know, on this, you know, let's just say age five or six is when you started playing soccer and you've been hyper, you know, pretty competitive ever since. Right. What would you do differently if you could take it over, like, and and just design it your way? I think it's a good question. I, I don't think I would honestly have it any other way because I got, you know, a national championship out of it. And the, and the story is um, very personal and cool to me, but I think I would have, I think playing soccer, you, I, at least from my experience, I felt like I was in kind of like a little bubble at some points where it was the soccer world and there was this world outside of it that sometimes it felt like you really couldn't interact with or touch because it, it felt like it had to be solely soccer all of the time. You know, I really like dedicated a lot of my life obviously to just playing soccer so I think honestly I would have rather kind of opened my mind and and head to other possibilities um not that I would have stopped playing at all but I think a better balance was probably needed for me to um diversify and and kind of figure out other things that would compensate for all of the competitiveness with soccer. I don't think I figured that out um, for a long time. And it definitely uh, contributed to a lot of the anxiety and like depression that I had, because sometimes I just couldn't have, couldn't find another outlet, I guess, because soccer was my outlet. And, and when that was going badly or that was hurting me, it, you know, seemed like I had nothing. So it seemed just kind of like this endless pit, um, so I definitely wish I, you know, focused, I was able, I wish I had other groups outside of the team or outside of soccer that I could focus on more um, and, you know, other hobbies and activities that I could relate to and ways to spend my time. I think I definitely would have done, done that differently. Yeah. You know, that's really fascinating, Jack, because I think, you know, that's the sort of challenge and the pitfall, right. Is like as a D one athlete, you know, you focus harder and harder on your particular sport in order to excel. And then in some ways it becomes your entire world. In some ways you get a little narrower. Right. Mm -hmm. And then if it's not going well, you're sort of in a catch 22. Right. And the, the question becomes, you know, you know, is it possible to really, how much is possible to diversify 
when you need to focus so hard in order to be able to be one of the better players, right, at a, at a D1 level. It's a really tricky dynamic and challenge. Can you be, you know, a surfer dude and still be a D1 soccer player? You know, it's like, yeah. I'm sure they're out there, but they're, you know, they're pretty rare. And Georgetown, right, is also pretty challenging academically, I would imagine, right? Yeah, yeah. so that definitely filled you up. Know, so, Yes, there's not a lot of freedom there to sort of not do soccer all in and then, you know, at the D1 level, not do school fairly all in because you're at a top university in the country. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so that's the tricky part, because, you know, as a sports psychologist and life coach, I'm helping people sort of make that decision in high school sometimes where they decide Mm -hmm. they'd rather just play D3. And not have to go all in at the D1 level because, you know, you know, maybe they don't want to give up their entire life for whatever the sport that is. And yet other kids are wired in such a way that, you know, they, they think they might want to be a pro or something. And if that's the case, then D1 is the, you know, mm-hmm. you have to go D1 pretty much. Yeah. yeah, totally. And, you know, that was that was me at the end of high school kind of wanting to go D1 and commit my life to it to to go pro and you know i i obviously came to the conclusion after a little bit that it just wasn't for me so i don't you know i i don't wish i went d3 i still am happy i went d1 and kind of had that experience but um but yeah i mean that makes that makes total sense and it's definitely a tough decision that i think everyone has to come to terms with that at some point in their athletic career if they choose that. So um, at the professional level, Jack, do you think it's possible at least in the beginning anyway, to be balanced or is it so hyper competitive that you have to be so all in that balance is elusive, right? For, you know, what's your thoughts on that? I think I would go seven, like, I think (laughs) I, I would, it would be really, really tough to have maybe the right amount of balance that, you would get if you weren't playing. But I think that's honestly the sacrifice that it takes probably to make it. I think the higher and higher you go and the better you get, the more and more you do have to sacrifice in -hmm. other parts of life because it is that time consuming and that, you know, it really is compared to other jobs. it, It really is kind of a lifestyle. It follows you everywhere you go, you know, where you travel, what you eat, what you do, who you, who you're spending time with and stuff. So, um, it definitely consumes a large part of your life, but I think, you know, I have friends at the professional level that, um, do balance their time, you know, fairly well. Um, and they have other activities that, they get into they have podcasts they some just play xbox but you know others (laughs) others are doing you know good hobbies and and other activities that kind of make their life more well-rounded so i think it's definitely possible just definitely a little little harder for sure yeah just not that common right definitely possible but definitely but not all that common yeah um yeah what are you curious about while you got me on the other side of this podcast we we do this differently but you know now we're we're on camera what are you curious about curious about as far as your your work or no anything i mean i'm just i'm asking an open question it could be related to what we you know my work or it could be anything anything mm-hmm. you want to bump off of me right now hmm. um 
I guess this is actually a good, I I would like to ask this question. Um, <laughs> All right. What's what is like the most common uh, topic that people bring up with you, like to help them work on? I guess. Uh, the most common topic. I mean, you know, uh, I think a lot of people struggle in you know many different areas you brought up the 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 topic of anxiety and the mm -hmm. topic of self-confidence mm -hmm. and i think a lot of people struggle with both of those i think almost everybody has some anxiety somewhere in their lives you know in with athletes in particular it could be related to performance um, and I think most people struggle with confidence, you know, especially as they develop themselves and their identity. You were also referring in part to your identity when you say that your whole world was consumed by soccer. And then your identity is so consumed by that if something's not going well, then, you know, you're, you're in trouble because your identity is so caught up in that particular area. Thanks for watching See It and Feel It with Dr. Brett. And stay tuned for part two of this interview. Remember to like, subscribe, and share with a friend.